Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creators of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I am joined by actor and producer Peter Kim, who stars in the Netflix original film, The 40-Year-Old Version, written and directed by Rada Blank. Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge, Peter. Thank you, Rebecca. It's such a treat <laughs> to be here. Thank you. I'm I'm so happy you have. Let, let me tell you something. I love this movie. I was like, I gotta have Peter on this show. I don't know how, but let me tell you, I've watched Forty Year Old Version at least five times already. Stop it. I'm I'm obsessed with this movie. I didn't get to see it at Sundance, but yep. I did get the advanced screener, and I watched it twice. And then when it dropped on Netflix last Friday, I've watched it at least three more times. Since then. Oh, you know, that, that actually like really warms my heart. Um, this movie is really special to me. Like it's a really special project. I've been involved um, with it for years. And, you know, Rada wrote the part with me in mind. And she's so collaborative and really gave me agency and space to advocate for the character. And, um, you know, in, and that photo, spoiler alert, that photo of the prom high school prom photo is actually my, my prom photo. Oh, it is you. Okay. So then they just put her face over somebody else's. Yeah. That's actually my childhood best friend is in the photo with me. And um, they, they, yeah, they just superimposed Rada's face and, uh, Uh you know, darkened her skin. Yeah. uh, That's, that's that. So like, you know, this isn't just like a regular old, you know, acting gig for me, it feels really personal. And Mm -hmm. even, you know, parts of Archie, um, I got to bring parts of my own personal story um, into the character. So it it feels really, really special to me. So whenever anyone says like, they've really enjoyed it, and they've seen it multiple times, it really, it just, it makes me so happy. It does. I I have to say, um, Archie is like my favorite. I love all the characters, but there's just something about Archie that I just loved. And just his friendship, the friendship between Archie and and Rada, like number one, it's, um, you know, to see an interracial friendship between a gay Asian American man and, you know, this older black woman. I mean, they're the same age, but it was just sort of like, wow, this is cool. Cause you know, one of my um, really good friends is Jake Choi. He's an actor. And oh, sure. um, yeah, we, yeah. yeah, yeah. We became friends a few years ago and he's like, I'm like, you're like my brother from another mother. Like we just have like the best, but I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. Like reflected on the screen. Well, I know you and, and Rada are friends. How did, how did you two meet? I mean, it's so crazy. So we both started out in the theater in New York. And um, I think this was like maybe 10 years ago, I was brought on to do dialect work for one of her plays. And I I don't even do dialect work, you know, but um, a character in one of her plays was of Asian descent. And um, I think the director of it may have gone to grad school with me or something like that. So anyway, I came on board and, you know, I love the play. Rada and I just hit it off immediately. Um, And it was interesting while I was doing the dialogue work on it, she did, she was so open to like my, my thoughts and my opinions about the character and, and almost like even dramaturgical questions. So Mm -hmm. I felt very comfortable just kind of speaking my mind. um, And she really took it to heart. And then again, like a few years after that, she was working on another of her shows, which was a solo show. 
Um, and again, there was a character of Asian descent and she asked me if I would, you know, um, help her with the dialect stuff. And again, I ended up, you know, sharing my opinions and thoughts about the script and the character's motivation and all of that. And then, you know, cut to like six years ago, she wanted to make this web series. And that's when she first approached me about the role. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's interesting because when she originally wrote the web series, the character of Archie was supposed to be white and probably like 24. Um, But then she you know, Rada said she thought about me and our chemistry that we just naturally had and how actually it would be more interesting to have two people of color navigating what it means to be successful or have success or what that looks for each of them and to have them be around to be the same age so that the focus becomes their relationship, not their race or their, um, their age difference. Yeah, yeah. I like you guys have like such great on screen chemistry because the thing I love about Archie is that he's not afraid to keep it real with Rada. Oh, oh <laughs> Whether no. it's giving her a breath mint, telling her her breath is like just, he's just like keeping her like, listen, I'm going to tell you like what's really going on. Yeah, I love that about him too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like I, it was such a fun part to play because. First of all, Archie for me is like way more confident than I am, like than Peter. Mm -hmm. And um, he's also way more outspoken. And, um, you know, something I was thinking about was, you know, there's that big fight scene between Archie and Rada. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while I was thinking about that scene and that monologue that um, he has, you know, there's some, for me, there's some like, there's some gay men who can code shift essentially who can kind of like pass for straight. And there are others that just can't, you know, and Mm -hmm. in a way it's kind of like a, it's almost like a, not privilege, but it it is a type of armor. And um, Archie does not have that armor. He is one of those guys that just can't quote unquote pass as straight, whatever that means. So Mm -hmm. in a way he had to build up an armor um, that I think is very specific to him. So, uh, it was, it was really, I learned, I, Peter learned so much, um, by stepping into his shoes. Right. Um, and the thing that I, I, I also liked about the movie is that you weren't just the only token, gay person or queer person, because in the movie, we also know that two of Rada's students end up liking each other. So there's a queer female. So I I really love that. It wasn't just like, oh, here's my, uh, well, I did want to ask you like, um, as far as, because Archie is such a specific character. Mm -hmm. And so um, can you tell us like between you and Rada, just kind of like making sure that Archie did not fall into like that gay best friend trope, Yeah, but to actually make him, yeah. How did, how did that work? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously that's something that was, you know, on my mind. And for me, it was just like really making sure that um, that he had a full arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the thing is, Rada's script was is like was so airtight to begin with. So she had already written in this arc, you know. So our collaboration was also just fine tuning the arc that was already there. And, um, 
you know, I, yeah, I mean, it's like, it was in the writing already, you know, and it was really important to both of us that the motivating factor of why they do everything they do is because they love each other. Mm. You know, like Archie will throw down, he will, he will go, he will climb mountains for his clients, but especially her because she's his best friend. So that everything was rooted in love. Um, that was really important. And I think that, I think that that chemistry and that love between the characters is real. So the audience is able to forgive us when we do horrible things to each other or (laughs) things. Right. So that was really, I think, um, paramount that we just emphasized the love that they had for each other and that it wasn't just, you know, them, you know, just fighting about like, this or that it was there was something deeper that they were both struggling with uh besides yeah it's like you know there i think it's what happens when you get older um relationships change you know some of my personal relationships have changed when my close female friends um and non-female friends, they they have kids and it just changes the dynamic. So you have to kind of like, I don't have children. Uh, my husband and I, we have a dog, but you know, you have to re kind of invest in the relationship and re you have to kind of, the relationship is changing. So you have to either change with it or not. And so it, it's like a reckoning that this friendship, I think uh, had coming for a while. Right. I remember there was this one scene. It's, it's very, it, it goes quick, but it was really interesting. I think this was when Rada's character spends the night at your house. Uh-huh. And, you know, you guys are having breakfast and you're like, kikiing. But then, you know, she kind of does like an imitation of an Asian accent. And yeah. I loved how Archie called her out on it. Like, ah. And she was like, oh, I can't do that. He was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because it was like, I mean, I understand. Like, we, we talk about anti-Blackness a lot. But sure. too, like, even Black people, like, we can be, um, you know, we, we can be bigoted, too, towards other people, too, and other, and other, you know, oppressed or underrepresented things, too. I, so I really appreciated that. Where it was like a, a mental check where it's like, yeah, like, even as Black people, like, we have to be careful about how we talk about other people of color. Um, Was that something, was that something that, that you and Rada worked on in that scene? Was that something she wrote or you added that or? No, that was something that that was in the script. Um, And I think what's nice about that moment is like it, it tell it, it forecasts that like we've joked like that before, you know, that like she's done, she's, she's imitated my mom before. And like the, you know, it's not like this big, deep, you know, like, I'm not calling her out for being racist, you know. It, yeah. It's, it was just like this. I don't know. It's like it, it just for me. It told a lot of the history between them, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, but it was scripted. Um, it's it was definitely scripted. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you have a, a career in in working in theater as an actor and as a producer, and um, you know, one of the with forty year old version. I like to tell people that you could take theater and swap it in for Hollywood. Um, uh, but particularly exactly. in the, <laughs> in the, in the theater, I mean, um, just your experience being in there, like how did that, like just reading those words and just what Rada was trying to say, how does that apply to your experiences being an Asian American actor, um, in the theater world and particularly a gay 
yeah. hearing an ambulance. How does that how does that impact you? I mean, you know, I think this movie and it feels so relevant right now. Um, especially, you know, being an Asian American actor in New York. I've I've been in the biz for decades. And, you know, New York City Theater, all of the institu- institutions are primarily white. And so there are, there is racism embedded in the community and in the institutions. And so it's a relief when people can finally call it out and people are actually listening up to it. Um, You know, and like a lot of these really big not-for-profit theaters in New York, which have like, you know, they're artistic directors who are getting paid a million dollars a year in salary. My goodness. Like, I'm sorry. You're a not for profit. You're getting paid a million dollars a year. Like, How is that working? <laughs> yeah. Like one of my closest friends, I told her this, and she's like, My mom is a certified anesthesiologist. She mm-hmm. makes like 250, 250,000 a year, and she can kill you. Like, wow. I, I just, you know, I, I for like the, the larger not for profits, they're really not, for, they're not not for profit. Mm-hmm. They're they're profiting, and the money's going back into you know the people, the head people who who run the institutions. So I'm happy that there is there is a movement right now in the New York City theater scene that is reckoning all of this because it needs to be called out. And on top of it, like you know, being um, a producer of mainly off Broadway theater with a company called Natco, which is the National Asian American Theater Company. It's just like, you know, it's a very small company. It's been around for almost 30 years. Um, And, you know, we operate on like shoestring budgets and all of that. But it's it's really, um, it's really upsetting um, to see these not-for-profits profiting so much and ultimately not serving their communities in which they exist because a not-for-profit is meant to serve the community in which they exist. Right. So, you know, like if you're going to take the tax benefits of being a not-for-profit and all that, well, then you better really put your money where your mouth is. Right. And, and they're the gatekeepers too, because they decide which, you know, which Broadway or which um, plays get, you know, on the stage or not. Like there's this scene uh, in the movie where I think Archie goes to check out this play and it is literally just two white people sitting (laughs) on a stage talking about nothing. I think it was something about, it was like this big dramatic. Yeah. She eats red meat. Yeah. And it was just like, and you can see the, yeah. And you can see the look on Archie's face. Like this is some yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's fighting for his client for fighting for Rada, yeah. who has a play that is, you know, about life, but it's like it can't. But I, I mean, just for you, ha- have you seen that where it's sort of like this double standard where the, the art that white uh, theater uh, writers, um, mm-hmm. you know, had to put on compared to people of color where it's like our shows, ha- like our plays have to be about something like they have yeah. to be, you know a- what I mean? A thousand percent. I mean, mm-hmm. like if you really... You know, there is the stereotype or this myth about um, people who look like me is that we're the perpetual foreigner, you know, that we're, we, we, we are not American or we're not from here. We're always from somewhere else. And so it's, um, 
you know, there are shows that have predominantly Asian and Asian American cast, but you feel like it's like an Asian play meant for white people. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Asian version of like poverty porn. You know, it's like this is not <laughs> this is not really meant for us. This is meant for the white theater going community because this is what they expect when they see right. people who look like me on the stage. So that is very real, you know? And so I, I'm a big proponent of new work, um, new plays, because I feel like those are the plays that have space for me, mm-hmm. you know, like um, that there's, there are interesting characters for people who look like me. And that's typically being written by contemporary playwrights. And a lot of times Theater companies, you know, they're afraid to do new work because they're not tried and true. Right. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, cracked me up was uh, the the white theater producer, what was his name, uh, Jay Whitman. And it was like, I was making a list of all the different plays that he was trying to put on. He was trying to get Rada to do, like, he had like a Harriet uh, Harriet Tubman musical. musical. And then, what was it, an all-male Charlie Chilson. And I was laughing because I was like, this is the same thing that's going on in Hollywood where it's like, it's this idea of taking like these originally white properties and then, you know, either putting them all women or people of color. Mm -hmm. And they, they actually think that that's progress or inclusion or diversity. And it's like, "Mm, not really. (laughs) You know, maybe like 15, 20 years ago, that was the Mm -hmm. case. Like that was, um, that was a, that was sort of like progress, uh, progress, you know, mm-hmm. but we're not there anymore. Um, we, we are demanding more. We're just demanding more. It's like, not only, it's not only important now that like we see ourselves, but like now we want the stories that, that represent people who look like us. You know what I mean? Not just like slotting in like, oh, this Asian person, this, you know, Latinx person, and then this black person. So great. Now we're, we're diverse, but you know, now it's like, well, okay, well, we want to hear what these stories are from these communities. So I think that's the shift that's happening now, which it's, you know, it's time. Because I, I do talk, because I'm I'm friends with some um, Asian American actors and actresses, and they said that one of the frustrations is Hollywood is, is still struggling. I'm sure theater is too. Is still struggling not only with the Asian identity, but struggling with the Asian American identity. Um, so yeah, many, you know, they'll they'll tell stories of you know how they'll go for um uh an audition and all of a sudden the casting director is like, well, can you give us an Asian act, an Asian accent? And it's like, well, it was, it. <laughs> Oh, now that I'm, you know, auditioning for it now it has to have this accent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, I remember, um, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say there is that tension, you know, because as the market gets more global, um, you know, I think, especially with Hollywood, they're trying to find, content that will satisfy their Asian audience as well as their American audience. And, you know, sometimes Asian Americans kind of fall through the cracks because, you know, some people in Asia, when they think of American, they don't think of people who look like me, you know, they, they, so Asian Americans were sort of in this weird in between. Um, 
where like we're not Asian enough for like some of the movies that you know they're trying to cater to you know the the Asian market because sometimes there are language requirements or et cetera et cetera, but then we're not American enough because we look the way we do right yeah i I forget um. Oh gosh, uh, he was the lead actor in Into the Badlands. Um, I'm trying to remember his name right now, but he he was saying how, you know, he was born in San Francisco. He's he's mm-hmm. Asian American, and yet he could not find success as an actor in America. He had to go to Hong Kong. Yeah, you know, and I think I think he said. Um, Oh, Daniel Wu. And he was saying that, you know, it was at a party. He saw Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. Jackie Chan saw him. And um, I think somehow, you know, that's how he was able to get. So he was like, I had to go overseas to go find my and then come back here. And I think Daniel Henney said the same thing, something similar. Yeah, He was like one of the first major um, Korean Americans to go to Korea to really and he became a huge star out there. Right. And it's it's so messed up. It was like, but then I was like, but isn't that that's not that much different from Bruce Lee, right? Like he was here. Yeah. He yep. couldn't find, you know, and then he had to go over to his homeland. And then once he made the movies that were important to him, yeah. then Hollywood saw, you know, his value. Exactly. It was just like, mm. um, but yeah, I there was something that happened. I I did want to ask your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a casting company or a casting agency they're i think they're called paladino casting Mm -hmm. and they put a they put a casting notice out for asian americans they were casting asian american roles and this is what they said it says about their appearance how they should look they said for the eyes although almond shaped not to turn down and no monolids oh I'll have to send it to you. I was just like, wait, wait a minute. And um, it was actually, cow. yeah, it was, it was Simu Lu. He found it. Oh. So I guess somebody's, and he posted it on Twitter and it went viral. Cause then, I mean, it was everybody from like all different races that were like, oh. WTF, what was oh. that about? But is that something that, because that, that does seem there's, there is this conversation leading. Mm. The question is the conversation is even in the representation of Asian or Asian American actors that there sometimes tends to be a a tendency to cast mixed race mm-hmm. uh Asian or Asian American actors that they're you know what I mean because of yeah. the features they're looking for mm-hmm. features that are still Europeanized in a way yeah. and the eye mm-hmm. is a perfect example of that. Have you experienced yeah. that or or known anyone who experienced that? Yeah, you know, um first of all I have never I've never heard of a casting call that explicit in terms of <laughs> appearance. Like that is crazy town. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I think sure. Like I, it does happen where you're like, Oh, they cast like, you know, the mixed race Asian person as opposed to the, you know, full Asian person. I, I hate qualifying in that way because I have right. plenty of friends who are mixed race Asian and something else. And they, I don't think they're less Asian because of that, you know, but um, yes, I think there is a, there is a tendency in Hollywood for actors of Asian descent. Like they want them to look a little bit more Westernized. So that may happen. Um, I mean, in my experience, Listen, I'm not mixed race. I'm 100% Korean, so I, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> Unless I got some surgery, you know. But um, 
I, you know, it's, it's such a tricky, it's such a tricky thing. I, I feel like, you know, with actors and um, what we go in for and what we don't go in for, because, you know, who am I to say that you shouldn't go in for something because I don't agree with the politics of it? Because at the end of the day, like it's a personal decision and sometimes people need the money or they have other motivating factors. So, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't really like to like come down. I mean, all I have to say is like every decision that I have made um, in terms of even accepting an audition or not is something that I take very seriously. And if it's uh, something that I feel like is offensive or racist, I don't go in for it. Um, period. And that's my decision. You know, um, mm. I don't have to go in for everything, especially if I don't believe in it. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of um, discrimination and all of that, but you know, like this industry is not a meritocracy. Um, meaning, like, it's not just talent that will get you there to wherever you're trying to get. So there, you know, we as, as an actor, you have very little control um, or authority. And the only control you have is to say yes or no. And so that's the power that you have and that you should yield, uh, you should use, you know? So how do you feel that as far as representation, speaking specifically of of Asian American um, representation, how are we doing in TV and film? (laughs) You know, I have to say- yeah, like, listen, like I, I've been, I've been acting professionally for almost, you know, three decades now. And I, and I will say, um, you know, there's like, I, I'm like sort of pessimistically hopeful, you know, that we're in sort of a, a tie change. I, I, I will say like immediately, probably in the past, I don't know, three months, um, a lot of the projects that I've you know, I've been auditioning for are Asian American specific with Asian American storytellers with Asian American storylines. And that has certainly not been the case before. Right. So, you know, I, I think the industry is listening. Um, and I hope, you know, the projects get greenlit and they, they get ahead, they go ahead. Um, so I, I am I am pessimistically optimistic um, that that things are slowly changing, but you know it's been a while, right? Well, I, I know the, the the trailer for um, Minari dropped a couple of weeks ago. People were going crazy, and oh my so God. I was like, "Hey!" Like, <laughs> so so yeah, Minari was um, at Sundance when we were there with Forty Year Old Virgin. And of course, like, you know, like when you go to Sunday, it's like everything is sold out. So you can't see anything. But that Mm -hmm. was um, the one movie that I was really, really dying to see. And I didn't get to see it. And when I saw that trailer, I literally, I was like, I was like, I was like on the floor, like weeping. It just, it hit, it just hit me in such a profound way. And that was like a two minute trailer. And I was like, oh my right? God, I'm not going to survive this movie. This movie's going <laughs> to kill me. <laughs> I'm so, really, I like, I'm, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Sundance. I am too. I am too. Yeah, yeah I, I won like all these awards at Sundance. And, um, you know, I'm just so, like, I'm a huge Steve Ewan fan. Like I can't, I'm just so excited to see 
this this Korean American specifically, this Korean American story, and like the grandma, like the grandma is so badass. I and love like, her. <laughs> oh my God. She's like a huge, you know, um, K drama star in Korea. And yeah. um, she's, you know, I was like, oh my God, she like reminds me of my grandma, you know, like I, I don't think I've ever seen that in, in, the, in like through a Korean American lens. So I am, I'm rooting for that movie, you know, along with, along with 40 year old version, but um, <laughs> you know, but that one, I really can't wait. Can't wait to see. Yeah. Well, do you think that, because I, I noticed that like there's a rise in the interest of K-dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are, and it's not, it's it's Black people, it's white people, it's Latino yeah. people. There's like, and then also the rise of K-pop, like with Blackpink yes. and BTS, like it, their fandoms. I'm wondering if that has an impact on how, because uh, is that helping? Do you think at least here in I America? So, yes. Yeah. I, I do, because- you know, like I have nieces um, who are like nine to 16 years old and like, you know, they're Korean American and that like them being like huge BTS fans and like having that being part of their, of pop culture that they're a part of and they're growing up seeing, like I certainly never had that, you know, and to, and I, like when I was that age, I pro- I would be embarrassed actually to be like, oh, I'm into this Korean pop band. Like you would never, like you, no, like you would never say that, you know? So the fact that they feel empowered by K-pop and by, um, and, you know, K-pop is totally um, accepted in all these different communities, like you were saying, same thing with K-drama. So mm-hmm. so I think it, it it's part of pop culture now. Um, so it, it does have an effect. And I think it, yeah. it, it is having an effect right now too, specifically in terms of storytelling. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Peter. And congratulations it, on the movie. I love you. it. It was so delightful talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you listeners for listening to another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. See you on the other side. Mm-hmm.